We all have stories of how we got to this very moment, in mass, together. When you share your story, however you share it, you are inviting others to experience the life of privilege that your faith has gifted you. Telling your story helps you understand it on a deeper level, revealing why you went through challenges and how there is no explanation other than Jesus that led you to this better place. These unexplainable moments that strengthened your faith have power. That power is multiplied when shared. We're in the sixth and final week of our current series all about sharing our faith. More specifically, we want to inspire, encourage, and equip you to share your faith because we believe sharing our faith grows our faith and helps us develop a closer connection with Christ. Our faith grows when we take some time, extend some energy, and put some thought into helping other people connect with Christ and His church. You know, we don't share our faith because we're right and everybody else is wrong. We share our faith because it works. And that's what we want for people. We want what's best for people. We want them to enjoy more successful living. And while some people do reject or ignore God outright, it's clear many more people stay away from church and God and religion and faith because they don't feel welcome. They never got the invitation. Our role is not to try and second guess who will accept the invitation and who will not. Our role is merely to make the invitation. Our strategy is simple. We've been talking about it throughout this series. We, we like to say invest and invite, invest and invite. Invest in friends and family, coworkers and classmates, disconnected from Christ and His church. And then when appropriate, when you have the opportunity, invite them to join us here, here on Ridgely Road or online, or first one and then the other. We've taken a long look at the relational investment involved in sharing our faith today, Stewardship Sunday. We're taking some time to talk about the financial investment of sharing our faith by giving back to our parish in the year ahead. You know, investments by their nature involve risks. They always involve risks, but they also involve rewards. And we learn about both in the gospel passage we read for this Sunday. It will be as when a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. So Jesus tells the story about a man of great wealth, enormous wealth, who was going on a long journey. Before he left, he calls in his servants and entrusted to them a great deal of money, although not everyone received equal amounts. 
One received five talents, a second two, a third just a single talent. But consider this, two talents would have been equal to what a worker could earn in their entire lifetime. So even though not everyone received the same amount, they each received a huge amount. And like the servants in the parable, God has given each of us money, some money. He's not distributed equally, that's for sure, we know that, but He's definitely entrusted each of us with money. The money, though, is not ours. God is the master and owner of money. In fact, the source of your material possessions is not your company, it's not your business, it's not your investment, it's not your family, it's not even your hard work. God is the source. They're simply channels through which He chooses to bless you. God is the owner, and we're the stewards of His money. How do we know that? Well, it's obvious. The money that's in our hand right now is only in our hand for a limited amount of time. Long or short, sooner or later, it's a limited amount of time. One day, the money in our hand will no longer be ours. So, the master gives the money to his servants, and then he leaves with the clear intention that his money is going to work for him when he's gone. That's what he wants. Because the story tells us he entrusted to each according to their ability, according to their ability to invest profitably. The parable continues. Immediately the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two talents made another two. So immediately these first two servants take the master's money and do something with it. They invest it in a way that benefits the master, doubling his profit. They know it's not their money, but the master's money. And look at that word, immediately. That word immediately reminds us to give to God first and make him a priority in our finances and in our budget. Not because God needs our money, it's not our money anyway, it's his money but because God wants what our, what our money represents, our hearts. And where our, our money goes, where our treasure goes, our heart follows. We give to God first by giving to his church and giving to help people in need. That's how we make giving to God a priority in our budget. So the first two servants, they use the master's money for his benefit. They show that his interests are their interests. But what about that third servant? It says this, But the one who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Rather than using it for the benefit of the master, he just buries it. He did not want to take the risk of investing in it. And we'll see how that works out for him in a minute. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. I love that. After a long time, the master returned. After a long time. It was probably such a long time that the servants might have wondered if the guy was ever coming back. He was such a long time. They might have begun to think the money was theirs. But the money wasn't theirs, and he did come back. 
And the very first thing he did, the very first thing he did when he returned was to settle accounts because he wanted to know what they did with his money. The one who received five talents came forward, bringing the additional five. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibility. Come, share your master's joy. You know, when it comes to the spiritual challenges that Jesus makes to his friends and followers, he never really asks us to step out in faith out of a sense of obligation or duty or fear. Instead, it's always about blessings and rewards. So the first reward we see here is a pat on the back. The master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now all of us appreciate a pat on the back or, or words of affirmation. We especially appreciate affirmation or a pat on the back that comes from somebody who has authority over us, whether that's a boss, a parent, a coach, or a teacher. But to please God, to receive a pat on the back from God, well, just that thought, does it not something in your heart leap for joy? That one of the greatest desires of your heart would be to please God? That for one day, God, to whisper to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Or for one day, for God to call, you know, bring you up on the stage, so to speak, and in front of a, a crowd of people to boast about you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And what this parable teaches us is that that is possible for each and every one of us, simply by taking such a small thing as money and investing in God's kingdom. Because notice what the parable says. You've been faithful in small matters. And we could all agree with that. That when it comes to money, it's a small thing. It's a small thing in comparison to our faith, our family, our friends. Money is a small thing in comparison to our character and integrity. It's a small thing, and yet we also know money is a, a big thing that we need it to meet our needs and often to reach some of the deepest desires of our heart. And yet, God says it's a small thing. And one of the rewards that we can have is by simply taking some of our money and investing in God's kingdom and re receive that first reward of a pat on the back. The first reward is encouragement. The second is promotion. The master says, I will give you great responsibilities. Great, as in greater, expanded responsibilities. But there's even a third reward. The master says, come, share your master's joy. The third reward is basically to be included in the master's life and lifestyle, to share his household as a member of the family. So God's praise, God's promotion, and God's own life are the rewards for investing in God's kingdom. We've covered the first two servants and the rewards they receive for taking the risk of investing their master's money. But what happened to that third guy? What, did, what, what happened to that third guy who did not risk an investment? Then 
the one who received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, so out of fear I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is, back again. The third servant reveals that basically he didn't trust his master. So what did he do? He did nothing. And his master said to him in reply, you wicked servant, now then take the talent from him and give to the one with ten. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken from him. Let's admit, it feels risky to invest in God's kingdom in a significant way, to give money back to God as an act of worship. While that feels risky, it's far riskier to not bet on God and his word, to not take the risk. You're, you're going to bet your life on something. Why not bet on God and his word? And why not take up God, what he says, to give, make him a priority in our finances? You see, when, when it comes to the world and what to do with our finances, it'll, it'll tell us to go one of two ways, to make one of two things a priority, to either make hoarding it and holding on to it a priority or to spend it freely on ourselves. But God says, make me the priority. Give to me first. And, and this is the paradox, really, when it comes to money and finances, that we really only get to keep what we've given away. That everything we surrender to God in worship in this life will be ours to enjoy forever in eternity. I got to tell you, I know it's weird, but I love talking about money in church. And I, I know it sounds weird, but here's why I love it. I love it when, because when people connect the dots between discipleship and their faith, and, and their discipleship and faith and their finances, they open themselves up to go deeper in the relationship with God. Some of you are on the cusp of going so much deeper in your relationship with God and seeing the rewards God has to offer you in a whole nother way as you take the risk of giving back to God and making God a priority in your finances, of giving, making a commitment for the first time or progressing in your giving. If you will take the risk, you will know God in a whole deeper way and your relationship will go to a whole nother level. Our giving first and foremost makes an impact on our own lives. Giving always impacts our own lives. It opens us up to the blessings that God wants us to have right now and the rewards he has in store for us in the time ahead. But our giving also impacts the lives of others, bringing blessings to them too. Take a look. I didn't think that there was ever a point where I could ever be where I am right now. I didn't think that I could not have something that would just have this hold over me. Like, I, I felt like I would always be depressed and I would always be anxious and that I didn't see an end to my, my sadness and, and my, the things that I was worrying about because they had so much control over me. I joined an SGU group, and that was kind of my first introduction, even before I decided to come to Mass for the first time. I think the fact that I have people who are my own age struggling with things similar to me, it makes me feel more comfortable. In the world, when there's, there's a tendency that we have to feel alone, 
and to know that there's someone my exact same age who has struggled with something very similar to mine really hits close to home. Not only because it's therapeutic for me, but also because I can help those people in a way that I was able to help myself. Someone told me in my small group when I had first started it that my spiritual gift was shepherding, and I feel that really meant a lot to me. It really stuck with me, and I feel like if I could be this person who walks with people in their everyday struggles, just someone to walk with them to Christ is what, is what I was told that that is my gift, that that's just something that I really want to continue to do. And I'm really grateful that I'm able to do that. I feel blessed. My working queue is farming. I do farming, I grow vegetables. You know, formerly, I was using the traditional ways of farming. I had not acquired the knowledge from any farm, any, any organization. But after the introduction of Foundation for Farming by Fort and Bridge, I acquired the knowledge. The knowledge transformed me. Together with the teachings from the Bible, I was transformed. I got saved. This has been a blessing to me and my family. They saw me transform from the former uh, uh, way of living to the present one now. And from there, we started praying together. First, sending our fr first fruits to the church. Second, we, we always share prayers at night, being a blessing to the family, so that we may, we may uh, tell God that he has done us a lot. When I first came to Nativity, you know, the old building, it didn't look like the traditional church that I knew because I grew up in the cathedral. For a while, I came to the 8 a.m. mass where there was no music, very short homily, and I was out in 35 minutes. But then over time, they started to make more changes. They changed the music at one of the masses. I started really enjoying coming to church. They started the messages and the message series, and I really started to enjoy it. And I remember one day, just walking up the street to come to church thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really excited to go to church today. And I don't remember ever feeling that before. Like, when did that happen? I wasn't even sure. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I really think that God was sort of setting me up to prepare me for a hardship that was coming and to be able to deal with that hardship when it came. And there's no doubt in my mind that it was all part of God's plan. So in 2016, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was very hard to digest. Uh, I was the healthiest I thought I had ever been. And then to learn that I was gonna have to have surgery and chemotherapy and radiation. And because I was HER2 positive, I was gonna have treatment for a year. And so that was really hard to sort of tackle and, and understand. So, um, I came up to the church actually. I met with a friend on the staff and she prayed with me. And then I told her that I needed something else to focus on. I couldn't focus on this cancer. I needed to be able to focus on something else. And so she introduced me to a brand new ministry that hadn't really even formed yet that they were thinking about. And that's the Rebuilt Ministry. And it really changed my life. It gave me something to focus on. It made me 
be able to go through cancer calmly and with grace and without worry, and I was able to really focus on, on something else besides the cancer. Because what I've gotten from my church and the positive energy I get and all of the support that I had, I really want to be able to give that to other people. And so what I get to do with Rebuilt is I get to help other parishes achieve that. I get to teach them and coach them on how to get to that point and to how to be able to offer that to their parishioners and to people who are in their communities who maybe aren't coming to church right now. And it is such an honor to be able to share that gift with them because it was really a gift for me. It was a gift that God gave me, bringing me to Nativity and getting me involved in Rebuild. Right now, we're taking a short break inside our sanctuary for all our members and regular attenders to prayerfully complete their stewardship cards. This is also the perfect time for our online attendees to consider making a financial commitment to Nativity in the year ahead. It's because of these commitments we can bring you church online each week and continue to share more inspirational stories of life change like those you heard in the message today. For more information and to make your commitment, just visit our website at churchnativity.com slash stewardship. Thanks for your support of Nativity, and thanks for joining us this weekend. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.